0: Anyway, let's pray and then we'll jump in. Father, thank you for today. And uh, thank you, Lord, for, your, for meeting us here. Thank you for your presence as we worship. As we turn to you now and turn to your word, we pray you would speak to us. Uh, Lord, as we humble ourselves before you now, and would you do great things? Would you strengthen us? Would you anchor us? Would you have your way in us? And so, Father, we ask you that you would help us not just to have knowledge, but actually to have wisdom, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to obey and strike a chord. Uh, speak to our hearts, something that would resonate, speak louder and clearer than my words I ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So welcome. Uh, we've been in uh, Proverbs. We're going to continue that. We're finishing today, so this is it. Next week we do Palm Sunday, then we have Easter. Then we're going to be doing a series in April and May on Jesus. Then after that we'll be in the book of Colossians. So anyway, so if you're just joining us Solomon here is downloading wisdom from God. We've been in the school of wisdom, Proverbs style. Solomon is given this warehouse of wisdom here. It's intensely practical for your life here. And so it's kind of a timeless advice. It's divine guidelines on how to live your life here. And so that we would be wiser this time rather than next time. How many people would be rather wise this time than next time? You know what I'm talking about? Because, yeah, so wiser before the relationship relationship, wiser before the marriage, wiser before the family drama, wiser before the you know the decision, wiser before the breakup, wiser before the rehab, wiser before the arrest, wiser this time rather than next time. So we've been getting a little bit wiser here. That's what we're doing this morning. And here's what I know. You will never regret being wiser. There's a lot of things you regret in life, but you never regret being wiser here. And so, I had the opportunity to go to Africa, and I'm going to introduce the message this way. And uh, one of the things that you do in Africa is you get to hear about the big 5. And if you hear you do the big 5, you know, then you are you like to have status there. And so, uh, when you when you're going to go on a safari or something like that, they will ask you have you done the big 5? And so the big 5 is a really super big deal here. If you've seen a lion and an elephant, a rhino, a buffalo, a leopard, you have arrived, and so when you get to the safari, that's what they want to know. So I got to do one of the big five with my mother-in-law here. This is on an elephant. That's me and my mother-in-law Vicky there. Uh, we were doing little safari there through the through the plains of Africa. In fact, some of the people here were actually doing the same thing. They're here this morning, and then we got to do another thing called lion encounter. So lion encounter is where you actually encounter lions. I've done it twice. And what they do, what they do when they're going to do lion encounter is they give you a stick, right? They give you a stick. So I asked the guy, I said, so, so what's the stick for? And he said, the stick is for you to poke the lion if he goes to bite you. I'm telling you the truth. And so, I thought, this is really comforting. I'm so glad I signed the consent form that uh, in, the, in the event of my death. But anyway, so, and I can't tell my wife that back home. Um, honey, I'm taking the boys on, li- on a lion encounter, but don't worry. They have sticks, and you can poke the lion with the stick so he won't bite you. Anyway, so, but here's a picture of us with the lions here. So uh, those are my two younger sons, Jordan and Garrett. And so, um, and then we went through a walk. Walk through the uh, the bush there, and uh, and so we pause, and the lions go up into the trees there, and so this next picture there they are in the trees above us. So uh, anyway, so that's lion encounter in Zimbabwe. In case you ever want to go on it, it's awesome. But uh, but even, but lion encounter. Got to see a lion, and uh, and so these most, you know, the big five are the most revered, most awesome, everybody brags about them, you know, and so you have status, you've arised, if you've seen them. But what I want to do is this, is that there's this incredible paradox here in the Bible. And the paradox is in Proverbs here, there's a strange paradox where we have this immense God who is past our finding out, whose ways are higher than our ways. And so, and and this God here who wants to speak to the creation, okay, doesn't go through the big five. It's like he bypasses all of them. Like he sees the elephant, he says, you know, you're big, but the message that I got to give, you're not going to work. And then he, then there's the lion, you know, and the lion is the king of the jungle, but it's like he says, you know what, you may be the king of the jungle, but you're not gonna do. He says, I've got a message to give to people, and the rhino, though the rhino was tough, you're not it either. And the leopard may be fast, but I'm gonna pass on you. And then he says, you know, to the buffalo, nope, not you, none of you will do, the big five won't do for what I need to, what I need to tell my creation. And so God wants to communicate, and he goes past the big five. But not only does he go past the big five, not "Not you, not you, not you, not you, not you. Then God goes down, the. God keeps going down, he goes to the cheetah, he says, nope, not you. Then he goes to the hyena, no, not you. To the wolf and the fox, no, you guys don't do either. The eagle, you're not going to do either here. The message that I have to give them, okay, man's best friend. Not the cat, the dog, you know, not you. Okay. And then you know, sees the butterfly and the bee and the beetle. And he keeps he keeps going down, you know, farther and lower and lower and lower and lower. He says, not you, not you. And then God sees a little, a little pile of dirt there, you know, and a little hole in it. God looks at that and says, That's it. That's who I want to speak to my my creation through, right there. The ant. The ant will do. And then God brings a message to us for all time and eternity through the little ant here. So I want you to pull out your outlines there and help me. I want you to want to read this together. Everybody, I need your help to read this passage together from Proverbs chapter 6, beginning in verse 6, and going through verse 8 on on the, uh, the screens there. Would you read with me? One, two, three. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler. Yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. So what does Solomon say but go to the ant? Here, don't underestimate the power of the message that God wants to give through the little ant there. He says, observe, learn, discover, pay attention to the ways of the ant, and you'll be wise. God says, I have a message for you, but you're going to miss it if you're not careful. Because see, the message is coming in the most unexpected passage possible here, the little ant. But if you can harness the wisdom of the ant, it will serve you well for the rest of your life. So the Bible says this. If you want to really be wise, if you want to really be wise, go watch an ant at work and consider its ways. Now, have you ever considered the ways of the ant? I just want to ask you, have you ever considered the ways of the ant? By a show of hands, you've considered the way of the ant. A few of us here. Okay, and so uh, I want to pause this morning. That's what we're going to do. We're going to consider the ways of the ant. I've got three ways of wisdom that I'm going to give you this morning. But you know what we tend to do? We tend to ignore the ant. I don't know about you, but but I hate ants. In fact, I, like the only thing I want to do is kill ants when I see them. Does this ever happen to you? Like uh, I, I end up taking out the trash even though I've had three strong boys there. I end up taking out the trash. And there's many times where I'll say, take out the trash. You know, and they'll, they'll say, but dad, there's ants on the trash can. <laughs> and the, the ants are going to get on my arms. Like, the ants aren't going to kill you. Just just take the thing down and then wash your arms off. But then you go down the driveway and there's the ants. You know, has this ever happened to you? And the ants are crawling up your arms there. So when I think of ants, I just want to, this is what I think of when I think of ants. Is anybody with me? Come on. We're in church. I, I want to kill the ants. I hate ants. The ants have a, are, are suffering in, in me. They irritate me. And so I have a bias towards ants here. I have very intense negative feelings towards ants that have built up over the years. You can probably tell. But the Bible says that the ant is a model for wisdom. And so God uses the least likely insect to illuminate and point us to God's wisdom here. Watch this. God says to the pinnacle of his creation, the man, he says, go to the ant, the insect, that's a fraction of yourself, and learn from it here. Proverbs 6, 6, go to the ant, he says, it's humbling. Go to the ant, you sluggard. It's like he's saying this, hey, get up and drag your rear out of bed, go look at the ant there, because you've got to learn some wisdom. And that's what God is saying here, because the tendency in most of us, we've got a little bit of this inner sluggard thing going on, and I'm going to talk about that this morning here, but just go to the ant you sluggard. Now, is that a word you use very often, sluggard? I mean, I don't use, that. it's kind of weird, isn't it? sluggard, you know. And so if you're kind of wondering, like, what's a sluggard? Well, I just think of slug. You know, you all know what a slug is? You know, slimy, you know, things here that when you were a kid, you're running through the grass, squish, you know what I'm talking about? Well, it used to happen to me all the time. So anyway, but a sluggard then is a picture of a whining, unappreciative, like a lazy guy. Sluggard. I don't know the feminine. Version of that sluggardess. i I'm not sure, but anyway. Uh, but a slug, then a slug is it's a slow and a slimy creature here. And when you think of one, you think of they they're just kind of they move slow. And actually, in the Hebrew language, the Hebrew language it, it speaks of a slugger. It speaks of a of a bow and an arrow that that doesn't work very good at all. And the arrows just kind of dribble off of of the arrow there, which is insightful to what a slugger is. Never really gets anything done. It's kind of limp and lazy and slack and kind of a am too busy, you know, type of an approach to life where things are always put off all the time there. And so a sluggard is an expert in making excuses here. So how do you deal with slugs? How do you deal with slugs? Salt. Yeah, you deal with slugs with salt there. And so how do you deal with the sluggard, inner sluggard inside of... Us, maybe, is with salt here. You need to pour a little salt on the inner sluggard there. And so Jesus, he didn't come kind of to make me comfortable, but to make my life count. So sometimes circumstances pour salt on us. But I want us to see this here, that the path to change is by looking at ants. But the power to change there is looking at Jesus what he's done for us. And so ants show us the path we're to follow when we're feeling lazy, physically there, you know, mentally, spiritually. Follow the example of the industrious ant here and recognize this. Verse 8 says this, little folding of the hands, you know, uh, a little sleep, a little slumber, and you will be robbed. See, what happens to us is, Little, a little, um, sluggardness creeps into us. You will be robbed of your time, of your talents, of what you could be here. So, number one here in your notes, what does the ant teach us that we need to observe is the first thing this, is the ant just works hard. The ant works hard here. It's like a little work ninja. It's what the other, like little work ninjas here. And so, now, I just want to give us a little framework here, a little theology of work, a little theology of work here. Because see, work is part of God's plan for our lives. And there, there in Genesis, you see, man is working there. So there's an inherent dignity and value that God has placed in work here. And before we fell into sin, see, God had created work and it was good. A man was working, and, and he wasn't sweating in his brow. That was after the fall there. So God wired us up to work here. We were created to work. okay? Um, so, But God put us in the garden to work, and then sin happened. And then after sin happened, the day mankind fell into sin, we've been inventing ways to get out of work ever since. We've been inventing ways to try to avoid work ever since the fall here. So the word work means to, in the original language, means to bring the potential. To bring the potential. It's seeing something and working on that thing to, to bring it to potential. That's why we have Lowe's and Home Depot, right? Because, you know, we got all our projects. We're trying to bring them to potential there. And so, but we're created to work, watch, but it's broken, but we're broken, See, we were created to work, but we respond to work in broken ways. See, we were created to work, but we either tend to worship work or worship rest. We're on one side of the other. We we're created to work, but, but, but we're either on the idle side or the idolatrous side of this here. And there seems to be this constant frustration that we have to work, even on our best days. We're frustrated with work here. Surveys show that 64% of employees visit non-work related websites every day. And if you're a millennial, it's worse. It just goes up. If you're a millennial, then it says that approximately 73%, three out of four, okay, are visiting, spending time on websites uh, while you're at work that have nothing to do with work here. Okay, so why do employees waste time? What's wrong? There's something inherently wrong here. I, maybe we're not challenged. Maybe we work long hours or we're not satisfied or bored or whatever. But check this out. The average worker in America spends an hour and a half, an hour and a half, every week at the office, okay, not not working, okay, uh, uh, this is company time on Facebook, an hour and a half a week on Facebook, and so and there you are at work, okay, you're doing your thing, you know, there you're at work, you know, and, uh, and you recognize it, oh, you know what, my friend, they're going to take the quiz uh, to see what state they're supposed to live in, and um, uh, and uh, you know they're going to post the result there, and so God, what if I what if I miss it? You know, so we got to jump on Facebook and find out what state they're supposed to live in. You know, and then and then there's oh no what what if I miss the video? Oh, it's their dog's birthday party. It's a, and uh, and they filmed it, and he blew out, the dog blew out the candles. And so, what if I, what if I miss this? And so, so, you know, and so we have this, this, this thing with the internet there that undermines work here. And Proverbs says, you know what you need to do? You need to go to the ant. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Because see, they never go on strike. They never quit. You know, the ant's persistent. You never see like the rogue ant there, you know, munching on Doritos. Like, you know what? You guys just do the work and I'm just going to kick back and eat Doritos here while you all work here. And so, by the way, you know, if you're in school, work means you do you do your study, you know, your grades. You know what I'm talking about? Do your grades. So no one's off the hook. If you're in school, it's all about your schoolwork and your grades, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, a little sleep, and you get an F on your test. You know what I'm talking about? So, anyway, so I I've I've uh, in preparation, you know, I've looked at some ants here and done some, some extra study on ants. And here's what I found out about ants. Ants, you know, there's no supervisor ant They're walking around with a clipboard watching all the other ants. Okay. There's, there's no motivational seminars that they got to go to, you know, so that they like do like what an ant does here. And when the ant finally gets to the colony, you know, they go out and find food and they drop off the food there. There's no applause. There's no pats on the back. There's no at a baby way to go, you know, great. There's none of that. The ant just drops off the food and then goes, Let's go get some more food. And so the ant works because a future is coming called winter. And then the ant knows it's going to rest there. Proverbs 14.23 says this. All hard work brings a profit. Watch. But mere talk leads to poverty. Interesting the contrast with hard work and mere talk. Where mere talk can undermine hard work. See, you know, you get to get into it and you got to talk and catch up and all that. But you know, you're being paid to work actually. But uh, but see, hard work then brings profit. In other words, if you work hard, eventually awesome things are going to happen. Okay, but if you're all about, you know, wasting time and talking and, and all that, see, nothing really substitutes for hard work there. True story of a gamer Gamer, you know, is online and uh, you know, doing doing his thing there, you know, and he's like a beast. You know, this guy's a beast of a gamer here. He's doing Call of Duty and Halo and everything, you know, and and a battlefield, you know, and urban warfare and all that, you know. And uh and he says to the other guy that he's you know, in another country, he says this he says, My girlfriend just broke up with me. And the other gamer says, well, well, why did your girlfriend break up with you? I mean, how long have you been been dating? And the gamer says this, he says, well, it's been a few years, and she knows I'm going to get a job. (laughs) Living in his mom's basement, she knows I'm going to get a job. Come to find out in video world, he was a hundred star, hundred star colonel in the Battlefield game, which meant this, that he spent eight hours a day doing his videos. Now there's nothing wrong with a little mindless, you know, uh, entertainment there. But eight hours a day, come on! And so uh, uh, he was a video game beast, but he also lost his girlfriend, and he was a sluggard. And so anyway, so Proverbs says this. This should encourage us here. Proverbs fourteen four it says, "Where there are no oxen, the manger is empty, but the strength of an ox, but with the strength of an ox, come abundant harvest." And so if you if you work hard eventually, awesome things are going to happen here. See, the, and think about this. The ox, my guy friends here, this is to encourage all of us. Okay, the ox just does one thing every day. It just straps in the harness there and then just pulls heavy things. That's all it does. That's its whole life, strap into the harness and then just pull heavy things. Now, the ox... Okay, and it says here that an abundant harvest comes. Okay, and the ox, though, the ox, you know, is not renowned for its IQ. The ox is not renowned for its good looks. Now, the women have the, the added advantage of being smart and looking good there. And so if you do this, though, you just, you work, you work, there'll be an abundant harvest here. And so, and if I could say this as a church, as a church here. You know you you we all you know I want church to be awesome. I want it to be life-giving. I want it to be growing. I want it to be impacting. I want it to bless the community. But you know what it it, it takes three things for that to happen. It takes hard work. Hard work and hard work. It takes other things, but it takes just at its core it takes hard work here. So we came to the community you know on a mission you know, to bless the community and build a movement here, to inspire people to find Jesus and follow Jesus further his name. That's why we came. And so we can talk about that all we want here. We can talk about doctrine all we want. We can talk about vision, you know, all we want and change lives all we want. But see, if we want to build something that is awesome, okay, it just takes hard work here. And so, hard you know praying hard and hard work but uh, but that's the way that you bless the community really it takes hard work and so not only do the ants work hard but number 2 number 2 the ant prepares for what lies ahead the ant prepares for the future in your notes there maybe somebody this morning needs to hear this to look at the ant and the ant plans ahead here they prepare for the future they have they have a vision for the future they do as much as they think about the ant gathering food there think about you're at the picnic you know and there's these these obnoxious ants and what they do is they they do it as as much as they can as long as they can they're preparing for a future and ant doesn't know the meaning of procrastination they don't wait till the weather turns cold before they start gathering. They do it in the summer. So watch. The ant has a strategy. Could you learn? Do, do we have a strategy for our lives here? See, the ant's getting ready for a future day. Are we getting ready for a future day? It makes provisions for Tomorrow, are we, what are we doing about tomorrow here? See, Deanna's willing to do this. Deanna's willing to grab a piece of bread. Think about it, it's three times, five times, ten times bigger than itself. And it it just, it just grabs that, that piece of bread. It it may be three times bigger, whatever. It says, you know what? You may, bigger, may be bigger than me, but dang it, you sucker. I ought to put my teeth in you. I going to grab you. And there's that ant. You know, you see the ants and they're there and they're, they're, they're like, they're pulling and yanking. And you see this great big piece of crumb that they have here. And you never see an ant go, well, you know what? It, it's just too much work. I'm just, I'm not going to engage. It's just too much work. Go to the ant, you sluggard. And see what you can learn because you could be wise. You see, the ant doesn't live for today. The ant does delayed gratification. See, consider the ant, it's, it's future focused here. And there's something, maybe there's something in you that, that God is nudging you or, or whispering to you or tugging on you and saying, you know what? Hey, your life needs to be about that thing. You know, don't procrastinate on that. So notice that the ant is taking the food of summer. And he's moving it to the future for the winter. That's what the ant is doing there. So so be wise. Study its ways. The ant is being intentional. The ant is taking action before it's too late here. It stores provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. So consider the ant and be wise that works hard, that prepares for the future here. Number three, the ant works diligently. My third point, see, it's a theme throughout Proverbs. It's a theme throughout the book of Proverbs here. You don't see the ant, you know, sitting back like the queen ant waiting for somebody, you know, to get its food there. So diligence means that, and, and you know what, let me, I need to put a disclaimer here on everything that I've said, and it is this, that sometimes physically we are not able to work. The message here is not for you. There are physical limitations, or whatever. This is really not not applying to you. You know, God understands, and uh, and so if you can't work, you know, this is a guilt-free zone. I'm not talking about that. But Proverbs says this: Proverbs twelve eleven. A hard worker, diligent worker, has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense, also has no dollars, but. Glad you caught that. The phrase chase fantasies is from the Hebrew word meaning playing video games and watching Netflix. And so, but the average, you know what? You know what's interesting? I don't know, I'm really not picking on video uh, video gamers, but, but it's interesting. Did you know that the average gamer is 34 years old? Did you know that? 30, it's not just a kid thing. 34 years old. Uh, average uh, age there. And so, you know. and, I, and I, again, it's not about a little entertainment there. It's about like hours and hours, you know, on it. That's, that's, you know, not being diligent like the ant there. Proverbs 12, 24 says this, work hard, work hard, become a leader. You know, others will be, will be inspired by your example there. Be lazy and become a slave there. And so, uh, so I wonder how many people that they're looking for their dream job, right? They're looking for their dream job. But since they don't have their dream job, they're not diligent. They're not applying this here to their lives. And so so be diligent, be diligent even before you have your dream job. See, be diligent, you know, because, I mean, you, you could get a job at Starbucks in the meantime, you know. Uh, and so, but here's here's the thing. God wants to teach us through diligence, wants to teach us. God wants to shape your character when you're in that, that menial job there. God, you know, it's, you, you, could, you can make some money, some income there. Uh, you can learn responsibility when you're in the less than ideal dream job. You can learn a, a good work ethic there. See, God can shape you as a person in that menial, doing those menial tasks there while you're waiting for your dream job. Are we being diligent wherever we are? I had to pause and process this, you know, and uh, thought, about, thought about my own life. And so uh, there's some menial jobs I've had. I just want to tell you, take a moment and tell you about those, those menial jobs. 20 years I spent doing these three menial jobs here. One was just painting. Painted everything in my dad's factories, all of our restaurants, all of our homes. So since I was a little guy, a little tyke, I started painting. And uh, so for about 15 years, just painting everything. Every time I got home from college, there was a, there was a paintbrush waiting for me. And the paint, And I would, I would many times work the same day as I got home. Painting. Menial job. Never really loved it, you know. But just job did for years. Not my dream job. And then another thing I did is uh, our family owned Meadow Farm Sausage Company, the largest in, in California. And so I worked in the sausage factory peeling hot dogs while I was in college, peeling hot dogs okay, in a building that had no light, no windows. And I was the only kid. I was the only person wrapped in white. The only one. Okay, and my dad was the owner. So, and every day there I am doing this menial job, you know, uh early in the morning off Gage in Manchester in Los Angeles, peeling hot dogs. This wasn't, you know, like fun, but you know what? It's the opportunity to learn work ethic, opportunity to to learn diligence. So, you know what I did every day? I was on the conveyor belt, you know, controlling the conveyor belt every day, baby. Turn that baby a little little faster, you know. And they loved me. All the management loved me, you know. I'd peel the hot dog, keep cranking the thing up. The guys are working as fast as they can and all that. But it's teaching them why everybody's learning diligence here. Those, you know, they're trying to stack the hot dog. They're falling on the floor, you know. And then i turn it down a little bit. And I just kept those guys working as hard as they could. Menial job. Menial job. You know what? And then then I worked uh, peeling onions, 100 pounds of onions, like every day making onion rings what a stinky job. I smelled like an onion every day there. And you know what? And the and the restaurant bore my name. Rod's Charburger. And there I am in the kitchen peeling onions. So menial task, you know. No glory of the grill. In the back. Nobody sees me, you know. So uh, anyway, those menial jobs though while you're waiting for the dream job just apply yourself because God wants to shape you. God wants to teach you. God wants to show you work ethic. God wants you to uh, shape your character there thank you for that overwhelming response I appreciate that and so think about this Jesus a carpenter was that a menial job was that a throwaway job there think about Jesus preparation for his public ministry there do you think he made good tables do you think he made great tables I mean, I think people would be like, "Wow, you know, that's a great like God made that table." Really, like, God made that table; it's probably still around today. And so, Proverbs thirteen four says this: Lazy people want much and get little, but those that work hard will prosper. Those that are diligent will prosper. And so, so Proverbs extols the value of diligence. It says that diligent workers generally are the kind of workers that are rewarded. They're rewarded rewarded, you know, by God and by, by their bosses there. So what does it mean to be a, a diligent worker? I heard a, a, a guy one time say, I give 100%. I give 100% every week. I give 12% on Monday. I give 23% on Tuesday. I give 40% on Wednesday. 20% on Thursday. And I give 5%. On I give 100%, I just divide it by five. And so how many people know that's not what Proverbs is talking about? <laughs> and so let's take another crack. at it. So diligence defined in your notes here. Diligent worker, you know, they just like do the basis, like show up on time. Just show up on time, you know. They exceed expectations, number two there. The honor authority, number three. So if you have diligence over time, the favor, the favor, of the company is going to fall upon you, okay? And you want to say, you know, what? I'm a Christ follower. and I want to have impact. I want to have influence. You know, I want to have influence. You know, and uh, on my colleagues here. Well, the way you gain that and gain credibility is by by adding value to the organization by your diligence there. Those who add the most value in the organization, yeah, they're going to have the most influence. I'm talking about the peak performers and the franchise players. So see, diligence. In work, it really does matter here. Wouldn't it be cool if, if, uh, if Christ followers were, were so well known for working hard and being diligent and faithful to our employers that they just had to start a website, ChristianEmployees.com. And people would go to the website and they'd say, you know what? Christians are just awesome. They work hard. They love their customers. They're great, you know, office mates. You know, they don't steal, you know, office supplies. They're not on Facebook. You know, they do the job. They they seem to care about others. Yeah, just go to christianemployees.com, and you will find the greatest employees. The Bible says this in Colossians, as I prepare to close. It says, whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Now watch this. This could be completely transformative if we would buy into this as working for the Lord and not for human masters or, uh, your employers. Whatever you do, okay, your work, do it with all your heart, okay, as working for the Lord. So as a young guy, 17, I, I learned the scripture. I heard the scripture and so now I go to, Rod's charburger, every day to peel 100 pounds of onions. I remembered this, Rod, in everything you do, do it um, un- as unto the Lord, and and actually, and, and you will be rewarded that. And so, you make that whatever you do, you're, you just do it unto Him. You 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 live before Him, and you you serve Him, and and dedicate your work to Him. I watch this because see in Revelation, it makes this amazing declaration. That God knows and God sees your hard work here. Watch what it says. It says in Revelation twelve to the angel of the Church of Ephesus, write this. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, or the seven churches, walks among the seven golden lampstands, says, I know your deeds, watch, your hard work and your perseverance. And so Jesus says, I see your life, and I see your hard work. And Jesus echoes from heaven, I know your hard work. How awesome is it that Jesus would say, I see, I observe all the way from heaven what you're doing and all of your your hard work there. He knows, he sees your labor, your diligence, your serving. And, um, and you can be content knowing this, that maybe you don't get pats on the back, as many as you would want or whatever, but Jesus there, he commends your hard work. If you could bow your heads with me, I just want to close us in prayer. And Father, thank you for this morning. And if we're here and we need to admit that we're not right with you, I pray that we would do that. You're here this morning and you're not right with God and you need to be right with God and you don't feel like you're his child and you want to be his child and you want to be forgiven and you want to walk with him. I just want to lead you in a little simple prayer, asking Christ into your heart. And maybe you're not ready to do that now. And if you're not, when the day comes and you begin to doubt your unbelief, the invitation will be as good then as it is now. But if you're ready now, I just want to lead you in this simple prayer. Dear God, I take Christ as my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. And make me right with you. Fill me with your love. And your power. And your gifts. And let me be your child. All the days of my life. In Jesus name.